welcome to another episode of the Digiday Podcast. I'm Kaylee Barber, Senior Reporter at Digiday. And I'm Tim Peterson, Senior Media Editor at Digiday. Tim, this week you spoke with Marty Moe, who's the president of Box Media Studios, and Preet Bharara, who is the co-founder of Cafe Studios. And Box just recently acquired Cafe Studios. So I'm sure that was a very significant focus of your conversation. But I'm curious if they got into the ways in which this will help kind of broaden Box's podcast network from like an advertising and audience perspective. Because I think considering the other networks in the industry, like Box had a pretty substantial portfolio of shows, I suppose like they had over 200 shows already so i'm curious like did you get into that expansion plan at all yeah absolutely um and as you mentioned vox the podcast network is pretty expansive but then you know preet being you know well known as former united states attorney general for i believe the southern district of new york um and also, like Paul Giamatti's character from Billions was based on him too, which we get into oh, wow. a little bit. But uh, so, like Preet being a very much a known entity, Marty talked about how you know it's it's helpful having someone like Preet and and you know the broader Cafe Studios team because they have a lot of experts and and people who have worked in government hosting shows. How that's just helpful from a kind of pedigree perspective, and then also mm-hmm. driving advertiser interest. And then on the Cafe Studio side, having the resources of Vox Media, which, as you mentioned, has all this experience producing all of these different podcasts, um, can be really helpful. And then, then also helpful because the broader Vox Media Studios has hands in TV and streaming. And so Preet wants to do documentaries with Cafe Studios and then also live events, um, which is you know, additionally something that Vox Media wants to be doing more of too. So it seems like a pretty good fit from how Marty and Preet explain it. And I also know that Cafe Studios has a subscription business to it. Is that something that Vox is looking to tap into as well? Yeah, Vox has been kind of funny on the subscription side because they've dabbled in it. They've done these, you know, channel memberships with Vox.com's YouTube channel. And then last year, I think of March of last year, Vox.com also started this um, kind of contributor program where basically Mm -hmm. people could donate to, you know, Vox to support it, but it wasn't a subscription program. You didn't really get that many perks out of it. Um, But with Cafe Studios, they have Cafe Insider, which is a pretty full-blown subscription program where you get access to some podcasts are only available to subscribers. They do bonus episodes of Preet's podcast for subscribers. And then they also have like newsletter and they do virtual events. And so it, it definitely seems to be setting up for Vox Media to be moving closer and closer to launching its own subscription business. Then the question just you know becomes, and I put this to Marty, what does a subscription business for Vox Media look like? Are there standalone subscriptions or do they do something like a Vox Media Prime kind of all-in-one bundle. So we get into that as well. And maybe kind of complementary to New York Magazine's subscriptions that they have for their, I guess, five different sites. But yeah, anyway, I'll let you get into it. I'm looking forward to listening to this conversation. Marty Moe and Preet Parara, welcome to the Digiday Podcast. Great to be here. Great to be here, Tim. Absolutely. So both of you now from Vox Media. It's been about a month and a half since Vox Media acquired Cafe Studios. I'm guessing some of that time was spent getting the Cafe Studios team situated on the right Slack channels, setting up their benefits and all that. But it seems like you have all have already gotten to work. There's a new podcast coming out called Now and Then, a current event slash history show hosted by Heather Cox Richardson and Joanne Freeman. 
pre was this show already in the works before cafe studios uh came to vox media um it was but just uh Further to what you said at the beginning, yeah, the, the integration has been fantastic. Although it's been five or six weeks, I still don't know where the bathroom is because we are remote. So, right. so we'll work that out later. In some ways, that made it a little bit easier. Um, I yeah, promised, so I promised Preet that I would I would show him. Where, he promised where me keys to the executive we, yeah. to the executive washroom, um, <laughs> such as such as it is during these times. Yeah, so we had been in conversation with uh, with Heather Cox Richardson and Joanne Freeman of Yale some weeks before. We started talking to uh, to Marty and to Jim Bankoff, and and got it underway and got the talks going, uh, and then continue those talks while we were having our private talks with Vox Media. But that's been something that's been in work for. But you know, putting it together, finalizing it, uh, getting the launch ready has been you know something that we've done uh, as part of Vox Media. And with that, like, have you noticed any changes either with that show or with other shows within the Cafe Studios portfolio since now being part of Vox? Well, you know, I think one of the reasons we wanted to come to Vox Media was on the editorial side, that we maintain, uh, you know, some editorial autonomy, uh, which is good, as with all the brands under the Vox Media umbrella. So we appreciate that, like that. But with respect to other things, which Marty can maybe address a little bit more in detail, you know, there are teams of people, and this is, you know, when you get to the question ultimately of, of why we chose to do this move, there are teams of people, including revenue folks and sales folks and audience development folks uh, who are really helping us craft the way that we can expand and grow, not just the current shows, uh, but also how we think about the subscription model, also how we think about, you know, joining up, um, you know, with other people and certainly, most importantly, probably for the purposes of now, the the big launch of Now and Then, which is, um, as I'm sure you'll mention, is already rocketing up the charts, at least on Apple. Marty, I'll kick it to you then from the Vox Media perspective. So Cafe Studios is part of Vox Media Podcast Network, um, but it's its own division within uh, Vox Media Podcast Network. Why was that org structure taken? Well, we felt that much like... You know, our other editorial networks, uh, CAFE has uh, a distinct voice, a distinct lens on the world that uh, it, it's, it's certainly audio first, but as an editorial network stands very much on its own for a kind of high quality, thoughtful programming that, uh, you know, looks at the world, looks at current events, looks at, you know, really, really anything but but through a unique lens that is kind of related to law and policy uh, that that Preet and his partners and co-hosts bring to the table. And so uh, we thought that uh, it made complete sense to keep that together, to grow that um, over time, and that their editorial vision was one that was very broad and and capable of expanding. Um, with with that lens in mind, uh, but ultimately, I think it's it, you know the lens is you know really smart people who can talk about the world, current events, what's happening, and explain that to people in ways that uh, is is clear, authoritative, uh, and uh, and ultimately engaging and entertaining. So much like Vox or The Verge has its voice, has its kind of subject matter uh, expertise. Cafe has has its own 
subject matter uh, and expertise and experience, but is broad enough to really expand. Uh, and so if it was just one show and always one show, we might think of it differently and just kind of, you know, it, it could become a part of another network or stand on its own as part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. But we, we really, you know, what attracted us to to Preet, in addition to his uh, mellifluous voice and, uh, <laughs> and and great show, an audience was the capacity for that uh, to grow. And, and you're seeing that now with Now and Then. Um, and I think what that reflects is that, you know, people who are of that mindset uh, and, and who are expert and, uh, and have followings and, and speak to people in meaningful ways about things that are kind of public oriented and public spirited. Um, they're also attracted to, uh, to cafe as a place to do that and to, to really build what they do. And so we're hoping that Heather and Joanne can be, you know, our, our first big new show out of the gate, but, but definitely not the last. And I mean, Vox Media, you've had a string of acquisitions over the past few years. You acquired Epic, which publishes the magazine, but also has a studios business that produces scripted shows like Little America for Apple TV+. And then obviously there was the New York Magazine acquisition in there as well. Cafe Studios, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Marty, this is the first acquisition on the podcasting front for you all. That's that's correct, and uh, and I think what that reflects, uh, in addition to uh, the you know the 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 substance of the relationship and connection between Cafe and Vox Media and and the fit, if you will, the cultural intellectual voice uh, fit, uh, also reflects the work that we've done at Vox Media over the last three you know, years and change to build up our audio business and, and capabilities to, uh, to begin in, 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 a, in a real way, way to scale uh, what we're doing. And so uh, our ability to bring CAFE on and, and have uh, a well-developed sales and revenue infrastructure that can just hit the ground running. Uh, we started selling CAFE. Uh, cafe in May and, you know, have our first programs uh, already underway. We have a marketing and uh, communications team that, uh, you know, can take cafe and what they're doing and amplify it and, and, and really uh, bring to bear the kind of launch and audience uh, growth capabilities that we have. Obviously we have recording and production capabilities. And so all of those things that we've built as an infrastructure for uh, launching new shows internally, managing, uh, you know, lots of staff and managing advertisers and marketing of shows have all been built up so that now uh, we're, we're in a position to uh, actually bring in uh, a company like Cafe and, and just have it plug into our system seamlessly. And so uh, in terms of the integration, it's been great and seamless from a personal perspective. And, you know, the teams are getting along great. But in terms of 
having uh, really well fleshed out processes for, you know, selling and production and, uh, you know, host reads and managing all that stuff and launching of shows and the creation of artwork for shows and uh, the ability to do uh, deals with uh, contracts, you know, with talent and uh, all the things that go into uh, scaling up a big uh, high quality podcast network, we now have in place. And so uh, it, it, it reflects, you know, the acquisition coming back to the point was it reflects the, the connection and, uh, and fit between Vox Media and Cafe. And it also reflects uh, the, the place that Vox Media has gotten to in, in its podcast business to be able to do that uh, and, uh, and bring uh, a lot of value to bear to kind of make one plus one three as we do I can this. echo I can echo all those things. He, he, Marty stated it perfectly, you know, from our perspective. You know, we had these conversations with Marty and also with Jim about how, you know, the um, integration would take place and to me, it seemed like a mind-bogglingly difficult thing. You know, we've been doing this for three some odd years. You know, people have their systems and we have, you know, our support and the way we did things. And I got to tell you, it's been, it's been incredible how seamless it is. Seamless is actually the right word. Uh, uh, how it's been. Um, there's a lot of people to meet because there's a lot of folks at, at Vox Media. And that's one of the reasons we came because there's a lot more resources. But I, I couldn't imagine it have gone, I couldn't imagine it going any more smoothly than it has gone. Preet, in terms of resources, like what specifically were the resources you were looking for and to what? And because you'd mentioned, uh, I think, to the Wall Street Journal when the acquisition was announced that you had um, part of the reason to sell Cafe Studios was it's a quicker alternative to fundraising. So I'm curious, like what you were looking to raise funds for? Oh, well, so we're expanding. I mean, we already had you know, that podcast you asked about now and then this, the historical podcast was in the works. Um, we have a number of other things in the works, including some uh, narrative podcasts. And we thought about the ways in which, you know, we could expand beyond audio. And that's another opportunity that we'll have at Vox Media, I hope. And you'll see something along those lines, hopefully not before too long. But all of that requires, you know, infusion of capital, more money, hiring additional folks, you know, having additional production capacity, and, and one way to do it would have been, you know, we raise money and we hire, you know, a number of staffers. I mean, people started to come to us with podcast ideas and you can't do everything when you're a small team. And when we started getting some inbound interest a couple of months ago, we thought to ourselves, well, if we find the right home, we find the right company that has the same values, mission, cares about the kinds of things that Marty was just mentioning, you know, important, thought-provoking and also thoughtful content for smart people who care about their country and care about issues, not just law and politics, but also, as you see our expansion in history, leadership, business, uh, business, culture, all sorts of other things, that if we found the proper alignment, the the better and quicker way to grow substantially in the short term and the, me and the medium and long term was to partner with a company. And Vox Media was that company. And one of the things that you've talked about wanting to expand into is documentaries, I believe. And Vox Media obviously has Vox Media Studios, produces documentaries and documentary series. They do? Series. <laughs> but it's, That's it, great it seems news. Like 
that could have been something where you could have remained independent and you know, worked with a production company, a Hollywood talent agency, kind of package that up on your own and like kind of leave the hard work to, or some of the hard work to an outside company. Why? Yeah, but it's and, a global thing, right? So there's lots of things we're thinking about and, and, you know, planning on, uh, not just continuing additional audio podcasts of the kinds we've been discussing and narrative as well in the future. Uh, and not just, you know, uh, you know, uh, AV things, not just documentaries and other TV related projects, but also events, you know, the main, the main reason I think, given the, the nature of our business at the moment was, was to expand the podcast business. And sure, you can, you know, you can do things piecemeal and you can, you know, add some people and, and contract with, with other producers to make, you know, three more podcasts until you grow your own team internally to that size. You can partner with another three companies to figure out how to make a documentary series. You can find some other folks to do your, um, you know, event, you know, event strategy. But if you have it all in one place, I think it's also the case, and I'm not expert on this, um, that, that the greater likelihood of coming up with a project on the video side that is in line with your, with our sensibilities and our audience is, is higher if you're working with the same team and everyone has the same interests um, in making sure that there's a great product made by the company at large. There's just, there's just better capability of cross-pollinization. And, and further to the question you asked earlier about some of the other things we, we saw in partnering as opposed to just going it on our own is you have this broad network. Um, and not only do you have people to sort of give us advice about, you know, better ways to market and better ways to, to grow the audience, their abilities to cross promote, you know, you'll be seeing that when now and then launches, I think that the, I think now and then will be a very, very big hit. And it would have been a very, very big hit for us as cafe studios. I think it'll be a substantially larger hit, uh, with the public because of a lot of the resources that Vox Media has to, has to bring to bear on it. Marty, from your perspective, I'm curious, like, it seems like Vox Media has really been managing its podcast from an IP perspective. Uh, you've, you all have been you know, taking episodes of shows like Today Explained and spinning them off into their own shows. It also seems like, I mean, this is going to back to the New York Magazine um, acquisition, but you know, the potential to take New York Magazine articles develop them into streaming shows for example same things can be done with podcasts as you know la times did this with um dear john which i think bravo if i'm not mistaken produced so are you seeing like how is vox media looking at podcasting as you know being able to take podcast shows and adapt them into other forms is it something you guys are already doing yeah we're definitely uh already doing it um i think it's uh it's still something that's very you know early uh in uh in playing out and determining you know all the different uh ways in which uh something that might start out as a podcast can become something that's uh you know a scripted series a documentary uh it can be you know it can become an event can become uh a place that uh, you know, text is written off of, uh, and so all all of those things really, you know, are uh, are there in cafe um, already. And so I think it just depends on, you know, what what the right, you know, what the ideas are. And I think the 
there's been a obvious rush um, and kind of a gold, you know, a gold rush men uh, sort of feeling around, you know, podcasts becoming the new uh, source of IP for the television or film industry. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it's, it definitely makes sense, but I think, uh, one of the things that, that we're able to do by being in all of these businesses is to really, uh, make, I think, more informed judgments about, you know, what would and could it actually be, you know, is, is this podcast the right, um, sort of thing to, to try to make a TV series out of, um, and, and if so, you know, how would you go about doing that? It's just, it's not a one size fits all. Um, but, but I think the more we're able to, uh, learn and understand how, uh, one, one form of IP can transform into another, uh, and do it in a way that uh, is uh, true to the the medium that you're making it in, uh, the better we'll be able to do uh, this on a repeatable basis. Um, one one you know e- example is that we have um, uh, you know one of our biggest podcasts we're uh, turning into uh, a, a documentary uh, series uh, on on a large primetime network that's uh going to be coming up uh later this year so that's already happening and we've sold another uh podcast to be a scripted uh series uh in hollywood and so these things you know we're we're definitely already doing them they're actually you know in production as we speak um and so uh and we've already had conversations with our Fox Media Studios team and Preet's team to talk about, you know, what are the sort of things that um, we could uh, cook up together. Um, And so we'll let that play out. But the advantage of, you know, you mentioned before, you know, the possibility that you could hire out third party production teams, you know, you could do all these things kind of um, individually. But I think, you know, the advantage in, in doing so many of these things and being expert at so many platforms uh, under, you know, the the single roof of Vox Media is that each each one and the and the translation to each one just becomes part of our language, and so um, you know I think it gives uh, more opportunity to do better work around that and to actually be able to see the the you know, the thread of how something could play out um, on multiple different platforms uh, with teams of experts that know how to bring that to life uh, in, in all of those platforms. Preet, it, it seems like the low-hanging fruit would be the Howard Stern or Breakfast Club route of, you have Stay Tuned with Preet, let's just turn on the camera and bam, <laughs> now we're in the video business. But what are you looking to do on the TV, streaming, video side of things? Well, I'm not going to tell you all my secrets. I understand <laughs> that this is a public show. Um, look, you, you, you can imagine some of the things just you know broadly that we may have talked about and that are in the wheelhouse of CAFE generally and in my wheelhouse specifically. There's a lot of you know, true crime. There's a lot of, you know, there have been many, I'll put it this way. There have been a number of documentaries, uh, both series and, you know, standalone documentary films 
that had been based on the work of my former office and, and literally on the work that I oversaw. And so, you know, you might imagine that's a rich area for, you know, bringing thoughtful programming on a screen to the public, you know, just the things that I, you know, have experience with, uh, and appreciation for and respect for on the criminal law side. You can also imagine, you know, any, any number of topics that we cover on Stay Tuned, whether it's about legal policy or, or political shenanigans or the Supreme Court, you know, all of those are fair game. Again, it's only been a few weeks uh, and we've already begun talking about those kinds of things, but I don't think we'll have anything concrete, you know, immediately, but you can, it's easy to imagine the kinds of things that we'd be talking about. Kind of an aside, is it true that the Paul Giamatti character <laughs> on Billions is based on you? Like, were you involved in that? So um, I was very nice to Paul and and to the people who made the show Billions. It is, in fact, a show that, you know, is about the United States Attorney. My parents are very excited when the show was in development. And I told them, because usually these shows, for people who understand the distinction, it's an important one, that most shows you see, like Law & Order on TV, are about the DA, the district attorney. That's the local person, not the head federal person uh, in the form of the United States Attorney in the various districts around the country. So there was some excitement in my office about that. Um, I went to the premiere. I had a I had a nice long dinner with Paul to talk about, you know, what the United States Attorney does, what, what it's like. He told me that one of the reasons he was interested in playing the characters, he wanted he wanted to play a good guy. So for the people who are listening to this podcast, who have who have seen the show Billions uh, in multiple seasons, you know that that didn't quite work out. <laughs> Uh, and and more importantly, without spoiling anything for anybody, the opening scene of the first episode. So you asked me the question: Is it based on you know? It is. It is very very loosely based on anything that real anything real that would happen in the Southern District of New York. In particular, the opening scene bears no relationship uh, to <laughs> to any United States Attorney that I'm aware of, including myself. Oh my god. TV is not real. It's there's an exaggeration. There's an exaggeration. Many um, many liberties taken, but like I did, I never opinion. actually went, you know, on a raid. You know, I I didn't. I wasn't one of the people who goes into the hedge fund and confronts the target. Um, but I understand for dramatic purposes that may need that may need to happen. But I um I I had more of a desk job. Which is perfect for podcasting. I mean, it is convenient. It'd be hard to be walking around or on an elliptical and podcasting. <laughs> right. Marty, on the podcast, so Cafe Studios has a subscription business. Vox Media has kind of been dabbling around subscriptions. Like on with Vox.com on the YouTube side, there was a subscription program. I think it might still exist. Um, and then last year, there was a donation program that was open up for Vox.com. But Vox hasn't, beyond New York Magazine being in the subscription business, Vox Media hasn't gone into subscriptions. Are you, what's the status of Vox Media going into subscriptions? I think we're, uh, we're, we're definitely uh, exploring uh, the various ways that we can uh, do that. We certainly have uh, every intention of being able to provide membership-worthy experiences that that people are going to be willing to to pay for uh you know obviously a big part of the cafe studios business is uh, is cafe insider uh, a really successful uh subscription program with 
extremely loyal and engaged users. Uh, that was one of one of the attractive things about Cafe is learning from that and learning how we can uh, potentially extend that to uh, more of our podcasting business. But frankly, how you know, we can connect it to and and use learnings for other parts of our subscription business, you know, at New York uh, Media and uh, and Fox Media more generally. So it's certainly, it, it's a strategic area for us that uh, we want to build out. Cafe was, was a great, has a great business on its own. Uh, we're going to learn a lot from that. And, and from that, we'll be able to extend uh, that sort of product and, and offering to other of our podcasts and other of our businesses. But we just have to, it's something we want to evaluate, learn from and, and do carefully, but it's definitely on the roadmap. Are you looking to do like a Vox Media Plus or a Vox Media Prime? I don't know if if that's uh, the the way we would approach it or whether we would approach it more on a you know, on a brand by brand level, or at least or or certain brands in, in combination with with others. The, the question is, you know, and this is something you'd you'd evaluate as you would any business, is the affinity uh, and and sales prop value proposition more about you know the larger umbrella, uh, or is it about you know the individual brands that are with within uh, and and those are the ones that uh, users are, you know, identifying with and connecting with, and so I think that's that's part of the analysis that we'll have to do. But suffice it to say, we'll be looking at all all the options and 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 what the best consumer propositions are going to be, uh, and start start with that as opposed to, um, you know, starting with you know a big formulation and then kind of working from that. I think we'll we'll want to start with where are the where are the points of connection that can be most valuable and meaningful for uh, our audiences and uh, and and ha- have that drive our approach and then kind of scale from that Pre- with cafe insider so cafe insider subscribers get kind of a whole variety of perks you have some shows that are only available to subscribers or episodes of shows that are only available to subscribers. But then there's also weekly newsletters and invitations to virtual events. Do you find any one of these perks in particular driving the bulk of subscriptions or being like the main driver? Yeah. So, you know, when we started the Cafe Insider program, basically we had one podcast, the Cafe Insider, which I used to host with Ann Milgram, former Attorney General of New Jersey, who is now the Biden administration's nominee to be the head of the uh, Drug Enforcement Administration. And then we had a newsletter. And I think it's probably fair to say, you know, based on anecdotal evidence and feedback we got, uh, that when you have just that, that the podcast itself was the main driver. Then over time, as you mentioned, we added a number of podcasts along the way. We had a cyber podcast uh, every other week. We had a national security podcast every other week. We have now, since the beginning of 2021, we have a rotating uh, group of you know incredible uh, legal professionals who do a note, both a written note and an audio note, and I think all of those things, you know, are additive. Uh, and and there are other there's bonus material every time we do an interview on the Stay Tuned, you know, the ad based free podcast. There's a chunk of the interview that's that's uh, in the subscription service. You know, probably it's the case that the 
the flagship program in the subscription product is that you know 45 to 60 minute weekly podcast that I now do with Joyce Vance, former U.S. attorney from the Northern District of Alabama, that drops every Tuesday evening. So it's probably that. But I think, you know, in the longer term, as we try to figure out, you know, all this new content we want to make, what goes in the subscription service, what goes towards its own ad-based feed is something that we'll work out probably on a case-by-case basis. Marty, we just had the podcast up front, which is generally an ad sales type of event, but podcasting is moving into more the realm of this diversified revenue model. Historically, it was very much advertising dominated, probably still is. What's the importance of having a dual revenue stream with podcasts? Because it seems like podcasts from a cost perspective is pretty manageable, at least relative to other things like you know TV and video production, where there can be a lot of overhead costs and in podcasts it's you buy a mic you buy a zoom recorder you hire an editor to you know deal with the dirty work of having to make it all you know come together cohesively and that's kind of the extent of it why is it important to have a dual revenue stream here well i think it's it's a great question and i think to some degree it uh, there, there's the obvious answer, which is it's nice to ha- have the ability to make money in different ways. So that's all good. Um, but I think a little bit more sophisticated than that is uh, that certain certain podcasts or certain types of material may be more, uh, from a business model perspective, uh, more appropriate for a broad audience, uh, which uh, in turn uh, is a more attractive uh, proposition from uh, the advertiser's perspective. And then you might have uh, other shows that, you know, are narrow and deep um, and might have, uh, you know, a, a smaller overall audience, but but a really, you know, loyal and engaged, hyper-interested audience in that you know, particular category. I think I think you know, uh, Cafe Insiders is probably one of the one of the few that that manages to do both well, uh, appeal to a broad enough audience, but do so in a way that's thoughtful and deep enough and uh, interesting enough to you know uh, to be worth paying for. But I think I think that's that's why you know. Uh, Pre, quite correctly said, you know, it's 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 a case by case basis. But having the opportunity and the capabilities to make that choice about which uh, which business model makes the most sense for a particular show and a particular audience uh, is a is a very valuable thing to have. Um, it's also the case that for uh, you might you might have. Uh, multiple revenue streams for you know for one show possibly you you could have let's take the example of uh, today explained uh, our you know our hit daily news show we're not doing this now nor do we have you know plans in the works and it's a very big broad audience um, but it might be that there's a segment of that audience that uh, is you know our super fans. And would really find additional content or additional, you know, going deeper into certain places or bonus episodes that uh, would really appeal to the super fans in in those audiences. And so, 
to be able to give a real value proposition to a subset of your audience while not uh, undermining the advertising proposition for the for the show might also be uh, a very valuable way to both you know give give audiences more of what they really want um, and and have multiple business models that can support uh, the production uh, of those different kinds of content. You know that actually was our experience. So you know we started Stay Tuned, Stay Tuned with Preet in September of 2017. At the same time that I was writing uh, my book, Doing Justice. And so I didn't have a lot of bandwidth to do a lot of different things. So I did stay tuned for about a year. I, I handed in the first draft of my book in July of 2018. And immediately, as you may know, my, my brother was the CEO of the company under which we did you know, all, this, uh, all this podcast work, Cafe Studios. And you know, we immediately started talking about, now that my time was about to be more freed up, what additional thing might I do? And we did surveys of our stay tuned audience. And, you know, we're a little bit taken aback by, by how they answered a particular question that, that fully fleshes out the hypothetical that Marty is setting forth, which is, would you be willing to pay for additional content from, from Preet and from cafe? And there was a very, very positive response. So both because I had a little bit more time, uh, also because, you know, I think we had gotten a little bit of experience doing podcasting and also because there seemed to be this just really significant interest in premium content from our existing listener base from Stay Tuned, that's how we launched the Cafe Insider, and, and we grew pretty quickly, pretty fast. It's always nice when people say, I would like to give you my money. <laughs> I would like to. I was like, that, that was a good answer. Absolutely. And I think that's the, you know, and, and that's how it should be. A direct-to-consumer product should be based on you know, what does an audience want and what what they would find valuable as opposed to we're going to just jam something, some all-you-can-eat thing, you know, down your throat and hope enough people, you know, want to wanna buy it. They're, that has been one approach um, and it's, you know, it's happened in many different forms and places. But I think what you'll see from us is something where, you know, we're really trying to listen to and th- and be thoughtful about uh, what what our audiences want and what different segments segments of our audiences might want that uh, would be valuable and 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 justify uh, creating a related but but distinct product around can I say one more thing about that Tim I, I think and this took me a while I mean all this whole business is new to me only you know I used to do a different kind of thing before <laughs> as, as was alluded to Um it's kind of a nice thing. Preet's a fast learner. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a good and I think smart thing and also gratifying thing to know who your core fans are, to know who your biggest fans of the, of the brand are. Um, not only who they are, but what they like, what they don't like, uh, and, and to be able to identify them and communicate with them. So yeah, there's the diversification of revenue stream if you have, in addition to an ad-based product, you have a subscription product. But unlike the people who subscribe to Stay Tuned, you know, we know who all the individuals are who are subscribers to the to the Insider podcast and the Insider, you know, suite of, of products. So we can talk to them and we can email with them and we can offer them other things. And, you know, they're the first movers on all things cafe and all things that re- relate to me. And they give us a lot of data and a lot of information. And, you know, the next time you have something, you have an ability to communicate 
with all of them. And, and they're probably the people who will A, give you the best sense of what it is that will succeed as a next product and a product after that. But they're also most likely to be the subscribers to those products or the, or the listeners of those products, uh, you know, whether they're behind a paywall or not. And, and the more of that you can get, and that's, by the way, not just true. I mean, that's why you see all this innovation in the music industry as well. I was, you know, long before we did this, this paid podcast service, I was talking to somebody in the music industry. And, you know, people who create, it, it's not always great to not know anything at all about who your fans are and how to reach them because you have these intermediaries. Now, I, I think the ad-based business, I don't want to, you know, speak out of turn, it will always be around and is important. Uh, and it allows you to have great reach because reach is important, not just, um, not just, not just revenue. At least to me, you know, we ha we have a, we have things that we want to talk about. We have things we want to educate people on, entertain people with, and that will always be incredibly important. But having some, you know, ownership and solidarity with the people who allow you to exist and thrive is a really good thing. And is it also important, like, just given where podcasting is today, where it feels like we're moving into this platform? Era. Historically, it was, you know, you just spin up an RSS feed and you can kind of make your podcast available to any, anyone. And that's still largely the case. But with Spotify pushing in and you, you know, having to, it's not everyone can distribute a podcast on Spotify. Um, and now Apple moving into the subscription space. I'm not really clear on what Google's up to. I think that's probably like an evergreen comment on Google and podcasting maybe. Um, but is it also like really important just given where things stand right now with the podcast market in terms of these platforms that are emerging or that the distributors are becoming more platforms, um, more potentially closed platforms or at least platforms where they're a bit more involved as opposed to saying, yeah, open, get your podcast to whoever will listen to it. I'll I'll do my best to give a perspective on that. I think the yes, there are definitely becoming, you know, bigger and bigger platforms that reflect the growing amount of money that is uh, going into the business and that people can see going into the business and and that reflects the opportunity uh now and down the road. Um I think that there are going to probably be uh, multiple, you know, if you will, you know, platforms uh, and uh, platforms that bring different things to bear. There's there's Apple and Spotify that are just the Uber kind of giant, have multiple businesses and, and podcasting is, uh, is one of them. Um, but I think uh, the, the, this industry and in uh, this medium uh, I think also offer um, uh, a lot of opportunity for other scaled publishers, platforms, if you will, that bring different sorts of networks to to audiences. There's nothing that's standing in the way of iHeart or Midroll, SiriusXM, Vox Media from from being both platform and distributor and publisher all at, all at the same time. And so for, for us, Spotify and Apple and others are really important partners. We want to do right by them. We want them to do right by us. Cross-promotion and distribution are you know, just kind of uh, part of the DNA of, of, uh, of, of podcasting in general. Um, but, but we see 
you know, the opportunity for, for a number of others uh, to uh, have the ability to exist profitably and, uh, and beneficially, you know, in, in the industry. So, you know, one of the great things about podcasting is the bigger you get, uh, the more, you know, advertiser interests there is, uh, the more opportunities there are to launch new shows uh, and get to scale with those shows uh, more quickly. Um, but that's not something that is, uh, you know, ownable, you know, by anyone out there in, in, in total. There, there are a number of, uh, of players that uh, I think can be, you know, if you will, you know, call them networks. You know, there were how many broadcasters were there, you know, out in the world? Uh, five, four, if you include Fox, but, but, you know, other big networks. Um, and, and I kind of see this as there being a number of viable scaled networks that, that have value propositions that stand for different things for us. It's about how can we be, uh, the most, you know, the, the largest high quality kind of super premium, uh, podcasting network. In the business, and and that's going to have a unique uh, value to audiences and advertisers, um, and and we think that's uh, a proposition that platforms like Spotify and Apple are going to find valuable and and want to carry and have good relationships with, and and it may be that we also partner with platforms like that and and create content that might be exclusive. So you know. I fully expect that we're going to relate to different networks and different platforms in different ways, but we're going to, because of the diversity of our capabilities, we're going to be able to do all the ways that make sense for us as a business and for them. And the ecosystem will be uh, very valuable for that. That makes sense. Cause I mean, it feels like we're once again in a consolidation phase in media. We just had the Warner discovery news going out and I feel like every day I'm seeing another story about some media company being in talks to acquire another media company. Um, and it seems like that's the case in podcasts and it's the case in TV. It's just across the board, basically everyone's circling the wagons to an extent, but also just trying to get as many wagons in their circle as they can. Yeah. And I think, you know, part, part of what's going on here is that, you know, there's, there's at the same time, there's huge tectonic shifts happening. And so a lot of the audiences and money that were very stable for decades in uh, traditional linear television and pay TV as, as the cords get cut and, uh, and as the advertising dollars in uh, that world uh, shrink, that, that money is trying to find other places to go. And so part of the growth that you're seeing in you know, digital media in general over the last uh, year or so, leaving the pandemic out. Um, but uh, part of the growth that you're seeing is money coming from other places uh, that is seeking great audiences in, uh, in new places. And, uh, and some of that is, you know, big money coming out of traditional TV, going into digital media, going into podcasting. Um, and, and that is, you know, part of the growth that's happening. And so, you know, you're kind of, 
Um, uh, it's, it's both, you know, purely organic because it's a new medium and, and growing audiences, but there's also these other shifting sands, you know, uh, at, at work that are helping to accelerate some of that. And so we're, we're, you know, thinking about that as we, as we go, as we calculate, uh, uh, the investments uh, that we're making, and I think the whole industry is, uh, and I think you know, some of that is, hey, podcasting's cool, it's getting new eyeballs, um, and I think part of it is, oh, there's actually a lot of new money that is uh, ready for, simultaneously ready to find these new people because it's it's shrinking in this other place where it has been for decades media industry always in a state of change um all right preet barara and marty mo thanks so much for coming on the podcast thanks for having us thanks for having us tim great to talk and thank you for listening to the Digiday Podcast. Please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like. And we'll be back next week with another episode.